Hello, everybody. Welcome to No Filler with Joe Miller, where we talk about the NBA. We have a lot to talk about. We had two very eventful games on TNT last night, and we have a few slipping teams to talk about later in the fun half. But joining me to break all of this down, of course, is friend of show, Ryan Walterman. He is the co-host of Around the Waves on KCOU later today, in fact. And he's going to help me break down most of this NBA news. Ryan, welcome to the program. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's always good to be on here, as always. And, yeah, I'm excited to talk about some basketball. (laughs) Yeah, I think you'll like this first topic. So the first of the two games on TNT last night was the Memphis Grizzlies-New Orleans Pelicans game. The Memphis Grizzlies have not beaten the Pelicans since 2019, back in February. Pelicans have won the last five games. New Orleans, no offense, has not been a good team over this stretch either. And, like, if you're on Memphis Grizzlies Twitter like I am, you're seeing stuff nonstop like, oh, my gosh, how do we keep losing to the Pelicans? This keeps happening over and over again. Did you watch this game last night, Ryan? Yeah, I did, and I'll also mention to everyone listening in, Joe does have a Memphis Grizzlies jersey (laughs) on, and I do have a Lonzo Ball Pelicans jersey on, so... That's always fun. Uh, yeah, I was actually kind of doing a little in-studio for the Mizzou basketball game last night, so I didn't get to watch uh, the first half of the Pelicans and Grizzlies game, but I did tune into the second half, and, oh, man, as a Pelicans fan, I'm very happy. Uh, I don't know how we won 144 to 113, but I'm very happy about it because the Pelicans have been, like you said, they've been streaky in this road trip. It hasn't been the best. Obviously, it's our Mardi Gras road trip, and... Uh, <laughs> It was just nice to see them pull out a big win against the Grizzlies. And what was really shocking about this game was the Grizzlies were in it in the first quarter, and it was only a five-point game at halftime. But in the second half, the Pelicans could not miss. They were shooting 50% from three over the course of the game, the whole team. And they are shooting 61.5% from the field. If you're shooting that well in both of those categories, it's really hard for the other team to come in and win. And the Grizzlies weren't shooting poorly. They were shooting... from three, 47.7% from the field. Those are pretty good numbers in a regular game, but when your opponent's shooting in the 60s from the field, it's really hard to combat that. Yeah, like you said, the uh, Pelicans are shooting 50% from behind the arc, and that's really uh, a huge help from Josh Hart, who went 6 for 11 behind the arc, and I have not seen Josh Hart shoot that well this year at all, except for when we faced the Rockets and he put up 20 points. But that really hurt the Grizzlies, letting a guy like that put up 27 points, and it seemed like every time he had a three, it was almost wide open. There was hardly ever a hand in his face, and then I think the Grizzlies finally realized, oh, he can shoot. So then they finally got a hand in his face. But then also you go back to Brandon Ingram, who went 4 for 4. He was perfect behind the arc he put up 22 points and that's the type of guy that he is I mean he's gonna put up 20 points or more in a game you know he's gonna do it uh but what really hurt the Grizzlies was letting Zion Williamson basically just torture them in the paint he had 31 points he went 13 from 16 uh for, from from the field so that really hurt the Grizzlies and John Morant did all he could he put up I think 28 I could be wrong about that um, yeah, he put up uh, 28.7 rebounds, 8 assists. He had a decent game. Yeah, and it just seemed like there was no one that was really... Like, when I watch the Grizzlies, I see Grayson Allen always, like, shooting threes. He went 2 from 5 behind 3-point. That's perspective, but I really expected him to put up more than 8 points. That could have helped the Grizzlies a little bit more. Especially uh, Dang, he only had 5 points, and then you have Tyus Jones who only had 2, and he played 17 minutes. So right. that's another thing that could hurt you. He did go 0 from 5 behind the field and 0 from 2 behind the arc, so maybe he thought, maybe I'll just ditch... Just dish out the ball a little bit he had three assists but like you said uh John Moran basically the 
only one on that team right now. Not really much help. Uh, of course, you had Kyle Anderson. He put up 19, and then Dylan Brooks, who had 18, and that might have been the easiest game that right. Dylan Brooks had because I don't know what the Pelicans were doing when he had the ball, but it was quite it was quite scary, especially when J.J. Redick had the ball. <laughs> he almost threw out a ba- he almost went out of bounds. He had to just throw the ball away, and Dylan Brooks had probably the easiest dunk he'll ever see in his life. So Yeah, I was. Uh, this was when I thought the Grizzlies would win the game. Right, yeah. <laughs> I was texting Ryan when that happened, and I was like, ah, oh, you love to see that. You love to see that happen. That might have been why the Grizzlies lost the game. It's because I jinxed it. I texted Ryan like, oh, we got the Dylan Brooks dunk. We're going to win this game. But that's really when it <laughs> all went <laughs> south from true. there. But, no, I think the, the, the Grizzlies are in an interesting position because, obviously, they were missing uh, DeAnthony Melton and Desmond Bain, who've been with this team most of this year last night. And th- those two pieces, the names might not flash out, but – Desmond Bain shooting in the 40s from three. DeAnthony Melton's a good shooter, and both of these guys off the bench have been great for this team so far. The Grizzlies have actually won most games this season based off of their depth, where their starting lineup is okay with John Morant, Jonas Valanciunas, Kyle Anderson, uh, Dylan Brooks, and then whatever shooting guard they want to pull up between their, like, three or four that they've been rotating in the starting lineup this season. But, yeah, not having those bench guys hurts. And then... Jaron Jackson missing really hurts this team. I think the Grizzlies need Jaron Jackson to just have that second star who can take some of the pressure off and can create his own because John Morant this season has been pressured so much, and he, he's doing pretty well. He's obviously, I think, not been as good post this ankle injury, but I, I just think this Grizzlies team is in a position where they're ninth in the West, which I guess is still decent considering all of those injuries, but I, I think for them to become a playoff team eventually and in, in that solid top eight, they're going to need something from either a Jaron Jackson or someone else who's not on this roster, but they need that second star with John Morant. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. I was talking to one of my um, friends who happens to be a big Grizzlies fan like yourself, and uh, yeah, he just told me after the game, uh, he was like, I told you the Pelicans would win, and his dad chimed in and said, no, the Pelicans didn't just win, they destroyed them. <laughs> and then he goes, yeah, they need uh, Jared Jackson Jr. And like you said, Jared Jackson is definitely going to help them out. He's a taller man. He's going to be able to get them in the paint. Not so sure he would have been able to stop Zion, but... Right. It would have been a lot better for Memphis to have those extra points uh, from Jared. But like you said, they're in ninth in the West, and they played a Thunder tonight. So that game should—they should win that game. I mean, the Thunder is obviously the Thunder, but I think it will be a close game nonetheless. But the Memphis Grizzlies should be able to pull that one out. But like like you said, uh, Willie Hernan Gomez put up 14 points last night against the Grizzlies, right. and I don't think I've seen him in a Pelicans jersey yet put up more than 10 points tonight. So— that really hurt him. And it was just this kind of this, the story of the bench for the Pelicans, you know, after they went up like 120 to like one, I think it was like 120 to 103 at one point or something like that. I could be way wrong on that, but they just put the bench players in and the bench just kind of showed up. Like they, right. they weren't playing like, oh, we're going to win this game. They were playing to win this game. There was no like, oh, let's just take it slow on them. They actually, they actually played really well. Even Nico Melli had a three, which. No, I, absolutely. Happens. Yeah. Like when there was 530 left in the game, that's when basically all the Grizzlies checked out. There were Pelicans were up by 20 the game looked over the pelicans bench with kira lewis nikhil alexander walker nicola melly sandarius thornwell jackson hayes they kept playing like they were down 10 (laughs) throughout the course of this game they were scoring left and right they were hitting threes Lonzo Ball, I think, even had two scores at the beginning of that. Yeah, he had two threes. <laughs> That's kind of been the way Lonzo has been in the Pelicans. I think that when they were start, when they were on their four-game winning streak, I swear every game the first basket would always go to Lonzo. He'd always hit a three. That's just kind of how they were doing it. 
And then I guess, yeah, he's just been a kind of our three specialist in the early games, and then towards the end of the game, he just kind of falls apart. But we right. get the five assists from him. We get about, like, three-plus three, three plus assists from him each night, so it's not bad. And some nights, you know, he's going to have a couple of points from the, from the field, so it's not too bad. And alongside Zion and Brendan Ingram, you know that we're going to have a decent night. But to just beat the, the Grizzlies that bad, it was just like, I, I can't believe. And like, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, shove it in your face. Had but to that do was it just... on national television, too. <laughs> yeah, but, like, the last game, we, we won 118-109, to 109, so... So that was a lot closer, and then I don't know what happened, but yeah, I think the last game you might have had uh, JJ, but I could I could have been wrong about that. Jared Jackson, I could be uh, wrong about Jared that. Jared Jackson sure hasn't played at all this forward. season. I don't oh, hasn't played so at all. Far. Okay, all right. So yeah, like I said, you had him, then that would make a difference. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I think he's supposed to come back this season, but I he, could be wrong. He is. He basically he had the same uh, torn meniscus injury, same timeline as Kristaps Porzingis, but I think they've just been taking time, like with rehab. I think probably post all-star game if i were to guess but grizzlies haven't really been updating the public that much on the that yeah. situation so I, I guess we'll see but yeah jaron would definitely help this team at this point and before we move on to the next game i want to ask you this so obviously brandon ingram and zion williamson are both the two stars of this team do you think the pelicans will only get one all-star and if so which one do you think deserves to get it Oh, man, that's tough. Because like you said, it's supposed to be Ingram. It's supposed to be Williamson both going. That I think Alonzo... No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just love Alonzo too much. Um, man, that's a tough one. I think you got to give it to Zion. I, as much as I love Ingram, Zion... I mean, they both go out and they play their game night after night, but... I think Zion's just been one of the main reasons why we win games. And they're not really, obviously, the NBA broadcast is one of the games on national TV. They show Ingram, but they're really talking more highly on Zion. Right. And Zion's just kind of been our guy this year. And I, as much as I'd love to see both of them go, if only one of them has to make it, I think Zion would have to be the call on that. And Zion, I've been really impressed with this season, just shooting 24 points per game, doing it on 60% field goal shooting so far is insane. Zion's been balling out so far this year. Yeah, and even behind the York, I mean, he's he was one for one last night against the Grizzlies. He's he's been getting the shots up. I'll still I still can't I will never forget his uh, debut when he was supposed to be having all those huge dunks and just made four straight threes in a row in his right. debut. So I mean, he can shoot too. So yeah, I I honestly think they should give it to Zion. If he doesn't get it though, I think obviously they would have to go with Ingram, and I'd be happy either way. No, Ing Ingram's also great. I don't want to snub Brandon Ingram. I just think with the Pelicans' record at this point, they're probably only going to get one All-Star, if I were yeah. to predict. But, no, both of them have definitely been having great seasons. But moving on to the other part of the TNT doubleheader. So I was staying up to watch the Net Suns game. At halftime, the Suns were up 22. I'm thinking, eh, it's a late game. Do I go to sleep? I stay with it, though, in the third quarter. It's like, okay, the Nets make a little bit of a run. They close the gap. The Nets complete the greatest halftime comeback in franchise history last night, winning that game at the end, taking the lead for the first time with less than a minute to go, thanks to a James Harden step back three. This game was fun to watch down the stretch. It was incredible. Chris Paul scored 17 in the fourth quarter. James Harden hit several big buckets and got some assists. Jeff Green. <laughs> Jeff Green was remarkable for this team. I say Jeff Green kind of jokingly, but... He won a huge tip at the end against DeAndre Ayton, and then he got the layup, which put them in position where they were only down by one. This game is maybe one of the most fun games I've seen so far this year. Yeah, and this is going to sound blasphemy, and I'm so sorry for our listeners, but 
Tyler Johnson and Jeff Green were basically the Nets' Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant right. last night. I don't know what happened to them, but they just came out on fire. Tyler Johnson basically, I would say, didn't have the best game until the second half. He was hitting some threes early on in the game, and it was the same thing with Jeff Green. They both came alive towards the end of the second half, and that's what they really needed because the Nets were not nowhere, gonna, nowhere close to winning this game. Obviously, you have James Harden, and that brings me back to a question I was asked on my show. The question was, what does James Harden mean to this team? Well, if you watched the game last night, that's what James Harden means to this team. Right. You have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving out, and you still find a way to pull back from being down 22. I, they might have even been down by 25 at one point. I don't even know. But it's just the Suns need to f- find a way to finish that game. There's no way that Suns should have lost that game. And like I said, they're right. letting guys like Tyler Johnson and Jeff Green hit threes, and it was just th- they needed someone. And Chris Paul, like you said, he did all he could. He even made a shot that was almost from the logo, honestly. And that that was just surprising, too. But... They just needed more guys. Devin Booker seemed like he couldn't really hit anything towards the end of the game, and he's kind of like their superstar. I know they have Chris Paul now, so maybe Chris Paul's more the superstar, but I would have definitely went to Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton had 16, not too bad for him. Crowder uh, had 15. He did really well from the field, though, as well, right. too. He can shoot. Um, so, yeah, and then you had Mikel Bridges, who had 10. So, you know, they had a couple of people in double digits, which was nice to see, but down the stretch, it just seemed like their defense was just non-existent. And then, like you said earlier, before the show started, Joe, they just could not hit a shot towards the end of the last two minutes and that's what really hurt the Suns so no that that's what's crazy to me because the Suns they're 12th in offensive uh, rating and they're fifth in defensive rating so this is a team that gets it done on both ends and offensively they have lots of options they have obviously all of the their starting five is averaging double digits and then Dario Saric and uh, Cameron Johnson are both averaging double digits so they have lots of guys who can get the ball in the hoop but towards the end we just didn't see a lot of that Yeah, no, it was just, I don't know why the Suns couldn't finish that out. Uh, Well, the next game that the Nets play, though, is against the Lakers, so it'll be exciting to see if, (laughs) I don't think Kevin Durant will be back, but I know Irving was out for, like, back soreness, so he should be okay to go against the Lakers. Uh, But, yeah, it's kind of like you said, if they didn't have James Harden, they would have lost that game. James Harden put up 38 points, and he was just playing basketball that he knows how to play, and that last basket he made, it seemed like he was getting hit from the top of the key, and then he just, he hit it, and that's just what James Harden can do, and then I down the stretch, I really thought the Suns were going to come back, make a big three, maybe make it like a 126-126 game there, and then he, he you know, saw Chris Paul miss that three, the basket went in and out, and then they just fouled James Harden and Harden put it away with the two free throws, so no, that's absolutely. just, yeah, that's just kind of how the Suns have been, you know, 17-10, and 10, good record for them, um, but that that's a game that they need to find a way to close out, because they, they can't be losing those games, they're still fine in the Western Conference, they're still fifth, obviously, um, but yeah, that that could have been huge, and there should be no reason why they shouldn't be eighteen and ten right now instead of seventeen. Uh, eighteen and nine instead of seventeen. And right, 10. And, and I think the Suns they were obviously on a huge winning streak before this game. They had beaten the other two top teams in the Eastern Conference. They'd beaten the Bucks and they'd beaten the Sixers. So adding this to that resume, we'd be talking about the Suns as a contender right now if they were able to pull out this game. So I think that hurts the Suns a little narrative wise. Also, with the Brooklyn Nets, so obviously we we touched on this a little bit. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving obviously didn't play. Those three together have only played seven games so far this season. Are you concerned about that? 
that is something um as a as I would say of people in Brooklyn, you know, I think they should be concerned about that. I know that they were very happy when James Harden decided to come to Brooklyn and that trade and then they had obviously Harden, Irving and Durant, but when you when these two guys keep getting injured, it seems like none of them can all play together at one night. It seems like one night it's either Harden or Irving or Irving or Kevin Durant, but it's never Harden, Irving or Durant, like you said. Right. They're just injury prone. I feel like Maybe right now not so much of a worry, but definitely after the All Star break, if they're not playing in these teams and the Nets are losing games without them, I would definitely be worried because I think the Nets right now, and I've said it on my other show, and I've heard people say it all, like all year this year, the Nets is a it's a finals of bust team this year. There's no way that your team has that many good players and you won't make it to the NBA Finals. That that's how good this team should be. And if they're losing out and not being able to play three superstars every night, then they're going to need to have their bench come up big. Like I said, Jeff Green, he showed up really big. Same with uh, the other guy there last night. And they're just going to need that night after night if they can't have those three superstars play. So I, as a as a Brooklyn fan, I, if you were one, I think you should be really worried about that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because if we're looking at this team right now, obviously defense is a huge issue. But if they add guys, maybe like Andre Roverson, maybe they can get like an Andre Drummond for a second round pick or something like that to improve the center position a little bit. But if they don't make those additions, I think it's a little concerning just that these three guys are obviously some of the best one-on-one players we've ever seen. James Harden has obviously become an incredible distributor over the course of this season. And like he's been in years past, but I'm usually wary of teams that don't have a lot of experience together coming close to the finals, especially when, Right now, we're approaching the midway point of the season, and they don't have 10 games under their belt yet. So that that's, I think, something to take note of. Before we go to break, I want to ask a little bit about the Suns. So this team has now fallen. I say fallen. like <laughs> They're basically tied with the Blazers for the fourth seed. They're down at five now. Lots of people are saying, is this team in the top tier? After last night's loss, I still think they're in that top tier of the four best teams in the West. Do you think they belong in that tier? I think they I think they do, honestly, because like you said, they beat the Sixers and they beat the Bucks and they nearly beat the Nets, but you know, the Nets just had James Harden and he came alive, but this Suns team's still really really good and I think they're definitely a top 5 contender, definitely will make the playoffs. Uh but like like I said, they just need more guys that they need more clutch people down the stretch. They can't just have CP3 being the only clutch guy. Devin Booker, we know he's clutch, but last night he just could not come up clutch for them. That Maybe a Drake, Jay Crowder could even be a clutch man for them. But I like the idea of maybe getting an Andre Drummond, someone that can help him down there uh, in the center position. I definitely like the idea of them just going out and getting someone because this, te- this team's good, but I think they're just missing out one more guy, and I don't know who that guy is. Uh, but, yeah, I still think the Suns are definitely a top-five team, definitely. Right. And, yeah, I, th- I think the Suns are in a—they're in an interesting spot because, obviously, they haven't made the playoffs in 10 years, and they're doing well this season. I, th- I think it speaks to just how high this team has gotten that they're disappointed losing to one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Right. So, no, I, I, I'm definitely still high on the Suns despite this loss, but, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to talk about some of the not-so-nice teams in the Eastern and Western Conferences. Stay tuned. You're listening to KCU Sports 88.1 FM. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to No Filler with Joe Miller. Joining me again, Ryan Walterman. Ryan, are you ready to talk about 
the six teams with the longest losing records in the NBA. Definitely, because <laughs> I, that, that's something. There's two teams on you on this list that that they shouldn't be on this list, but they right. are slipping. Yeah, let, let, let's get into those teams. So the Sixers and the Bucks, both of them are on a little bit of a losing streak right now. The Bucks have lost four, losing to the Suns, the Jazz, the Thunder, and the Raptors. And the Sixers, similarly, they've lost three at this point. They've lost two. Suns, Blazers, Jazz, a few of the usual suspects there from the West. So the Sixers, I'm not as concerned about because Embiid was out in the game against the Jazz, and that was still an 11-point game. Ben Simmons did really well there. Sixers are still number one in the Eastern Conference. I mean, uh, teams go on losing streaks like this throughout the season. Like, they'll drop three or four every now and then. I mean, this kind of stuff happens. I'm I'm not really that concerned about either of these teams. The Bucs, I'm a little bit more concerned because that Raptors game, especially at the end, it felt like they kind of gave that one away. Pascal Siakam really carried them at the end. But I don't know. Maybe that speaks more to the Raptors just finally finding their groove and getting good at defense again (laughs) yeah. (laughs) because earlier this season the Raptors were not doing well and they've really turned things around they're getting into the six seed conversation like we thought they'd be at so what are your thoughts on these teams are you concerned by either the Sixers or the Bucks uh the Bucks I want to say concern me but they're always a good regular season team and that's the thing about the Bucks like they don't play good in the playoffs but they're always a good regular season team they're still third in the Eastern Conference 16 and 12 Still got to make fun of them for losing to the Ball Brothers back-to-back nights, but, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's how that goes. Uh, no, this team doesn't really worry me as well, and I, I say that because you still have Giannis on your team, and if you have Giannis on your team, you got to be looking pretty good, uh, especially when I think Brooke Lopez could have some better games. Uh, Dante Disfiant... DiVincenzo. I have no idea. <laughs> I, Dante. I hate Dante DiVincenzo's last name. DiVincenzo, all right. Because it looks like Vince, and right. you want to say, like, Devent, Devent, and then you're like, oh no, that's not how you pronounce that name. <laughs> yeah, and last game, I last game against the Raptors, he put up 12 points, and that's the type of player that I don't really expect to be like one of the better players on this team. But if he's gonna start stepping up, then I don't think the Bucks should really be worried. You still have Giannis doing good. Chris Middleton only put up 11 against the Raptors, probably one of the reasons why the Bucks did lose to the Raptors in their last game. Um, but then you had Pat Connington, he put up 20, and then Bobby Poise, who else put up 16. So you have these guys that are putting up more than 10 points a game a night, and I think the Bucks really shouldn't be worried, uh, especially if you are a Bucks fan. Um, my bad. They actually, so they played the Raptors again uh, tomorrow, so they, it was back-to-back they nights. Have a, they have they a revenge them. opportunity. Yes, okay. And I think that is a game that the Bucks are probably going to pull off. Um, right. And that really just depends on if they can get Middleton to score more than 11 points and get guys like Pat Connington and people off the bench that really help them out. But... Uh, a team that I would say is kind of scary to me is the 76ers because I think they're more of just a streaky team. You know, they're 18 and 10, right. very good record. But then t- tonight they play the Houston Rockets, and that's the type of team that I think that they could really lose to. And, you know, it hurts for me to say that because then you would see that they'd be on a four-game losing streak if they do lose to the Rockets. Right. But uh, the Rockets is also another team that we have in here is slipping, and that's just because they haven't really been able to find a groove, obviously, after James Harden left. I thought that they'd be a good team. And don't get me wrong, they're still not a bad team, but it's just they haven't been as good as when James Harden first left them. You know, when, right. when James Harden first left them, this team wasn't very bad at all, but now they're losing games again, and they, they it's really games that they should be winning. And like I said, they play 76ers tonight, and I think that this is a game that the Rockets could potentially pull off, especially with the 76ers on a three-game uh, tilt right now. So honestly, I think it could go either way, 
But if, if you're se- for the 76ers, they have to win this game. There's no doubt about that. Right. that. You can't lose to the Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets can show them that, hey, we're not this bad. We can actually beat good teams. So it's kind of more of a who's going to do which, which, which is going to happen tonight. You're either going to have the 76ers needing to win a game or you're going to have the Rockets being able to pull off a win against a big team. Right, and yeah, like the 76ers, I think the, the, the struggle with them as far as consistency has just been getting their starting lineup out there. Because I think they're still undefeated when they have Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Ben Simmons out there. But that most of their losses have come at the hands when either Joel Embiid is out or Seth Curry isn't there. So if they can just stay healthy, I'm not as worried about this team. But if Joel Embiid still has like lingering injury issues and misses some time, that might be a concern down the stretch. But yeah, go, going to the Houston Rockets, that's it, they're in an interesting situation because they've lost six straight and they haven't been losing to great teams they've lost to the wizards the knicks pelicans the hornets the heat and the spurs are getting a little bit better in that playoff conversation but still not like contenders they're losing to and houston's interesting because i think defensively especially besides besides the demarcus Cousins situation jay sean tate still an incredible defender rookie season john wall incredible defender victor oladipo when he's out there incredible defender same with P.J. Tucker and Eric Gordon when they're healthy. So I I still like this Rockets team as sort of a tough team to play at the end of a road trip type team. But I, I think offense is really their struggle. If they can find a way to get going in that conversation, then the Rockets will really be talking. But I, I think that's difficult at this point, just given the roster they have and just given the injury troubles if they're going to win games, it's going to be mainly on the backs of this defense that they've built. Yeah, and I mean, they don't have a bad defense, obviously. Uh, last game for the Rockets, uh, David Nwaba, he had 11 rebounds and he had 19 points. So mm-hmm. he's the type of guy who's going to help you out with on the boards. He's really he's going to help you out there. Demarcus Cousin had seven on the boards as well. He's another guy that's also going to help you out there as well. But really just a team led by John Wall and... I just still am not really high on John Wall. I don't think he's ever going to be as good as he was in in Washington. And I think Washington did a good idea on giving up on him because I just don't think, of course he had that one game where he put up like, I think like 30 something points, but man, you see guys like Stephen Curry putting up 62 a night now. So it's just like, I don't think I'm really high on John Wall. I think the Rockets need another player. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, they have Victor Oladipo, but he's injured right now or something like that. Yeah, Victor Oladipo, I think has missed the last four or five games. If they have him back and John Wall plays as good as he has been, they should be okay. Um, but of course, Jay Sean Tate, he's definitely going to provide you with 10 plus points off, uh, every night. He's a, like you said, he's a great player and, uh, he's going to, he's going to play a lot of minutes too, and he's going to help you out. So, you know, 18, six and four last game for Deshaun Tate, it was really close to a double, double. didn't get it there, but right. you had, uh, David Nawaba with the double, double. And then you also had John Wall with the double, double. So it's just guys like that, that are really just going to have to step up and help out this team. Uh, the fact that they lost to the Wizards and it, the fact that they lost that bad, 131-119, really doesn't help them out much. But like I said, they have the 76ers tonight. Probably no Aladipo again, so they're going to have to have Nawaba and John Wall really have another good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I don't know what's wrong with the and Rockets. It's a team that I don't know if they can't figure out their starting lineup or what exactly it is. But And I, I think if you're the Houston Rockets at this point, just how this team is assembled, 
I don't think your expectation is making the play-in tournament, to be honest. I don't think their roster is as good as teams like the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, the Pelicans, and even the Sacramento Kings. I think they're closer to the Thunder and to the Timberwolves at the bottom of the West. Like, I, I can't imagine a situation where they were to make it in the play-in tournament. I think there'd have to be lots of injuries or one of those teams drastically falling out of the picture. But even then, I just don't really see that happening this season, so... I think if you have expectations like, oh, the Houston Rockets are going to make the play-in tournament, then I think you'd be concerned. But I don't really see those expectations for this team. I And like another team on this list, like Cleveland, I had those expectations a few games into the season when they were doing well. The Rockets, I never really had those expectations going into this year. So... Right, so you had six slipping teams. We talked about, uh, obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, 76ers, Sacramento Kings, Atlanta Hawks, Houston Rockets, and Cleveland Cavaliers. So the question I have for you is, out of the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Houston Rockets, the Atlanta Hawks, and the Sacramento Kings, which team or maybe teams do you think could potentially make the play and play uh, playoff tournament from there? I think out of those four, Atlanta and Sacramento are the two teams I would say should have those expectations. I picked Atlanta to be... In that conversation, Sacramento has been playing at that level this season. Houston, I just think, again, like we're talking about like David Nawaba <laughs> needing to have like great games for this Rockets team to win. So I think Houston's expectations are much lower. And Cleveland, at the beginning of the season when they were the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, I think they might have had those expectations, but they've really come down to earth. They've lost eight straight at this point. And they've been losing to good teams like the Clippers twice, the Blazers, the Nuggets, the Suns, the Bucks twice, and then the Warriors really destroyed them the other night, losing by almost 30 points. So Cleveland has faced some tough competition, so I can maybe see as their schedule gets easier them sliding back in that conversation. But I think Atlanta and Sacramento are the ones you could reasonably say could definitely make the play-in tournament, if not have a playoff spot. Yeah, no, and Joe, I definitely agree with you. The Cavaliers, without Kevin Love, that team's just kind of been... Uh, I want to say it's been eh, but no, it's been trash. It's been very bad. Their last close game would have been against... Okay, the, the Suns, they lost 119-113. to 113. But other than that, their last couple games have been bad. They've lost by 20-plus points. Right. It has not been good. They play the Nuggets Friday... And I don't think that game will even be close for them either. The Cavaliers have just been a team that's really slipping. And, yeah, it's just been – I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know when they get Kevin Love and back if we, it's even going to help. We've seen rumors, too, that they're looking to try to trade Andre Drummond at the trade deadline yeah. and look to transition to having Jarrett Allen as their franchise center, which is a, is a good decision in the long-term team building of this franchise. But – for short-term wins, that's probably not going to help because Andre Drummond has been giving them a lot for stretches of this year. So, and just just the fact that they are selling Andre Drummond basically at the trade trade deadline, we'll see if they end up. They only got, uh, I think they gave up a second-round pick for him last year, so they, they're probably going to be in that type of value this trade deadline for him. But I think just the fact that they are going to be sellers at this trade deadline illustrates. This, this Cleveland team isn't looking to win games as much this season, D despite the <laughs> excitement a lot of us had about Darius Garland and Colin Sexton earlier this year. 
Yeah, I know. And uh, just, I just want to get back with the Sacramento King, if you don't mind, because tomorrow right. they play the Heat, and the Heat have not been playing as good of basketball either. So that game could be a game for the Sacramento Kings to really just kind of show what they can do. Uh, last game out, of course, they lost to the Nets, and that's when the Nets had Irving and Harden playing. So that was just kind of... You know, that, that's the Brooklyn th- side of things. But, you know, the Kings had a good game. They had Buddy Hill with 21. Uh, Coy Joseph had 22. Hassan Whiteside had 26. And then you had Tavise Halliburton with uh, 10 points. And you also had DeAndre Fox and Marvin Bagley the third with 19. So if they play like that against the Heat, I think they'll win. They put up 125. But against the Bucks, apparently that's, I mean, against the Nets, apparently that's not enough to win a game. Against <laughs> the Heat, it is enough to win a game. So I think if they can put up 125 and just kind of have the same performance as they did against the Nets on Monday, I think they'd be okay. Uh, but yeah, like some of those teams are in there are slipping. I see some of those teams getting back to their game, but I see some teams in there like Cleveland and they're just going to slip the rest of the season. I don't see them getting better at all. No, I, I definitely agree. I think Cleveland and Houston are in that boat where it, it seems obvious, at least to me, direction-wise. They probably won a top pick in the draft. They're probably not... They're not really competing to make the play-in tournament this year, if we're just being honest with those two teams. And the Hawks and the Kings are both interesting because I think they they have that aspiration, but let's go to the Hawks a little bit. So they've lost seven of their last eight since DeAndre Hunter got hurt, who's, of course, averaging crazy numbers for this team. He's shooting 50% for the field on the season in the high 30s from three. The schedule's going to get tough for them as they approach the All-Star game. And... They're only two games back, right, from being the eighth seed right now, so they're not totally out of it at this point, but this stretch is not helping them. They're losing. They they had a big lead in the standings, especially to a team like Miami, who is behind them, but you you see them now. They're at 11th in the East. I I don't see them dropping below teams like the Magic or Cleveland, but they need to find out something here just to get back in that conversation. Like, I remember a few weeks ago, like when All-Star conversations were a big thing, Trey Young was a lock in everyone's all-star starters just because of how well he's been leading this team. But as we've seen just this last two or three week stretch, the Atlanta Hawks have not been producing and they've been losing. And so, so some of them have been close games like that Dallas game. They could have won for sure. That game was had some questionable calls down the stretch. It was only a one point game, but. Aside from that, they've been losing by double digits in a lot of these contests. Yeah, and I don't think tonight's going to fare well for them either as they play the Celtics. And, um, yeah, I mean, the Hawks, have they haven't been too bad down the street. They got Trey Young, you know, he's going to put up 20 more points tonight. But other than that, they really don't have any other guys that are going to put up 20 more points tonight. They had John Collins who put up 19. I'm talking about the last game when they lost against the Knicks, 123 to 112. But you don't really have any... St- players in there that you can be like oh yeah this dude's putting up more than 20 points tonight besides Trey Young I want to say Clint Capella could be in that but I just haven't seen him play as good as he should his last game he had 18 rebounds right that's crazy he had a double double at 15 18 and one and that's I think just he's still of. leading the league in rebounds I'm right sure now. he is but yeah that's just unheard of and the fact that you lose that game that I mean that's got to be hurting him but also he knows that he needs to put up more points than just 15 and then I don't see John Collins having another 19-point game against the Celtics. The Celtics play good defense. I think they're going to have lockdown D on Collins, and I think maybe you could see a Cam Reddish maybe, uh, some flares of Cam Reddish. Obviously, they're going to be guarding Trey Young pretty heavily. I think Kevin uh, Hurtier is going to have to have a good game because he's the type of guy that he's kind of streaky. You don't know what type of game he's going to have. He's, he's a good shooter, uh, but other than that, 
there's just players, people on this team that really just need to get hot because, say, for instance, when they play the Celtics tonight, Trey Young doesn't play as good. Who are they going to have that's going to be able to be that guy? I don't know if they're going to be able to have that guy where the Celtics have many players on that team that can be that guy. But the good thing for the Hawks is, you know, they'll get to see how the Celtics play, and then they also play them again Friday. So it's more of like a rebound game. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. So obviously they lose to the Knicks the other day, and that really hurts them. Julius Randle had 44 points. I saw the memes of, like, (laughs) the Knicks hanging a banner (laughs) for that game. but. The, the Hawks, they're going to play back-to-back games against the Celtics, which presents an opportunity for them to be on the show next week for losing six or seven straight. Exactly. And I, I want to blame myself a little bit because I remember uh, last week on the show, I was uh, previewing the Hawks-Mavericks uh, game with Gerald Hopkins, and I was saying, you know, I'm high on the Hawks. I'm really happy with what they've been doing. And then they go on a four-game losing streak for me. So they're not making me look good. I'm not making the Hawks Gotta look good right now. stop jinxing people, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> the Joe Miller curse, for real. No, it it's, is. it's bad for some of these teams. And I, I think the Hawks, losing that game in New York, that's a game you need to win, especially when you're going up against teams like the Celtics. And let me, let me just pull up their schedule here. So after the Celtics, they play the Nuggets. They'll play Cleveland. That's a better matchup. Then they play the Celtics again. Thunder, that's decent. Then they play the Heat in back-to-back games who are really finding their form, and then the Magic. So I think you see three sort of easy wins there with Cleveland, with the Thunder, with Orlando, but those other five or six games are against playoff teams who have maybe borderline championship hope, especially with Denver and the Celtics and the Heat with Jimmy Butler healthy. Yeah, and Miami's just one of those teams where I just kind of was like, not sure exactly how they've been playing lately. Of course, they beat the Knicks uh, in back-to-back games, and then they beat the Rockets, and they lost to the Jazz, but obviously the Jazz was just kind of on a different—I don't even know what type of basketball they're playing, but no one's even <laughs> playing as good of basketball as they are. And then they lost to the Clippers. So the Heat, like I said, they're starting to find their groove. I would say they were finding their groove, but that was the Knicks, and then there was the Rockets. So the Heat is a team that I do see uh, in the playoff tournament— uh, in the play, in the they'll fight for the uh, the play-in tournament. I don't see them just making the playoffs right away. I think they're gonna have to go in through the play-in tournament. Uh, but yeah, getting back to the Hawks, I don't think the Celtics will be easy wins for them. I do think that the Cavaliers and Nuggets will be a tough game for them. They can beat the Nuggets good for them, but that's not an easy win. Cavaliers should be an easy win. The Thunder should be an easy win, but the Thunder haven't been playing bad basketball at all lately either. And then you have the Heat, which is really just a toss-up. And then if they lose that Orlando game, I might just want to close your and franchise. I think the Heat games are important because the Heat are really who they're jostling with in the standings right now. So if they could win both those games against the Heat, that could easily propel them up above them and make it in a position where the Heat have to really win a lot of games to make up that difference. So but the Hawks before the All-Star break, I think this stretch is going to be really important in just their positioning and how comfortable they can be in the second half of the season. But the bottom of the Eastern Conference is an interesting place because you see the Knicks are obviously at the sixth seed, the Raptors at the seventh seed, the Hornets sliding in there at number eight, the Bulls at the ninth seed, the Heat at number 10, and then Atlanta coming in at 11. Those five teams are all within two games of each other. It's just crazy. So uh, that could shape shake up several different ways. Maybe, maybe we're being a little too hard on the Hawks. I don't know. I'm just mad they lost four games in a row after I <laughs> said they were doing well. Oh, man, I, I wouldn't put it past them. They'll lose five or six in a row because the Celtics <laughs> is going to be tough. <laughs> so. No, it's... 
we'll see how that goes. So, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll talk a little bit about the Anthony Davis injury situation and a few other NBA stories. Thank you so much for listening to KCU Sports at 8.1 FM. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to No Filler with Joe Miller, joined here again by Ryan Walterman. So before we go, there's two things we need to talk about. We need to talk about the Charlotte Hornets with LaMelo Ball, and then we need to talk a little bit about the implications of the Anthony Davis injury. Ryan, which one do you want to start with? Uh, we can start with the uh, Los Angeles Lakers because it's still the Lakers, and uh, no one thought that they were going to lose to the Timberwolves. That when I was watching, I was like, oh, the Timberwolves are winning against the Lakers? But right. you got LeBron James, that's just kind of... That's kind of uh, just sealed and delivered right there for LeBron James. But uh, a guy that they are missing is Anthony Davis. And he's they play the Nets tomorrow, and they're not going to have Anthony Davis, I don't think. And that's going to hurt them a lot. And I think it's a game where it's gonna, I think come come down to the wire, especially if the Nets do get Irving back for that game. Uh, but, yeah, having without Anthony not having Anthony Davis with Lakers is definitely going to hurt them a lot because I don't know what other big man's going to step up. They have Mark Gasol or – I think it's Marcus Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell. Yeah, yeah that's. They've, they've really been playing know. Kyle Kuzma at the four in the starting lineup to supplement lately. Yeah, it's a. I think without Anthony Davis, the championship aspirations, they they have to be fleeting a little bit because I mean, I could see them making it to a conference finals without Anthony Davis, but especially in the Western Conference, that they have to go against this Jazz team that no one has an answer for right now. Or even a Clippers team that will just make LeBron's life awful <laughs> with their great perimeter defenders and Pat Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. So I, I think they need Anthony Davis for their ceiling to be raised to a really finals winner type team like they've been this whole year. But the, the Lakers, they did beat the Timberwolves last night, like you're saying, without AD. LeBron had a great game, 30-13-7, shooting 65% from the field, but... Again, they beat the Timberwolves by eight points. Timberwolves are far and away the worst team in the league this year so far, largely because of injuries. But still, you're going up against the Nets, which are one of the top three teams in the Eastern Conference and one of the top teams in the NBA. So I think there's reason to be concerned if you're a Los Angeles Lakers fan. Yeah, no, there, there definitely is because Anthony Davis, he's not only out two, three weeks. You're not going to really have a big guy to really help you. Like you said, they're even putting Kyle Kuzma in there, and that's just a mismatch. I'm sorry, but like... <laughs> man, Kyle Kuzma at the four. <laughs> yeah, that's just not good. But I will say one good thing that is going to help them out in the long run is although Anthony Davis is out two or three weeks, they're going to have players that are going to get more minutes that could help them out in the long run of things, especially when Anthony Davis comes back. But right now you know for Lakers fans it's probably not looking as good but then again you have LeBron James on your team so I mean if they didn't have LeBron James yeah they're hurting really bad but with LeBron James it's not as bad as you know just losing not having LeBron James (laughs) exactly not having LeBron James so you know last game um against the Timberwolves James had 30 points and then Dennis Schroeder came out of nowhere he put up 24 when I put him on my fantasy team the first time I was like this is kind of a a high risk, a low risk, high reward type guy, and he just was not helping me out at all. And then last night he put up twenty fours. So, those are the type of things that Lakers are going to need to be looking for without Anthony Davis. They're going to be looking for like guys like Dennis Schroeder, Alex Caruso that have to have big games. Even Marcus Gasol, he had eleven last night, and 
you know, it's just kind of Montrose Hill. He's going to have to kind of run the big... He's going to have to be the big guy down there, and that's that's what's really going to hurt because LeBron James, he can try to be the big guy, but he has to guard the guards, you know? That's, that's what his job is. So it's definitely going to hurt them without AD, but I think that they should be able to be okay without him for these two to three weeks. Right. No, I, I'm, I'm in the camp that it's, it's a good thing. If injuries are going to happen, you want them to happen middle to early season especially if you're a finals team you don't want them happening once you get to the postseason we've seen that with lebron teams especially in 2015 where kevin love goes out after the first round kyrie irving has nagging injury problems and then only plays game one of the finals so if anthony davis is going to miss time it's better that he's missing it right now and that some of this is proactive in terms of just the injury being aggravated so it it uh, if an injury is going to happen, this is decent timing for the Lakers. They're going to go into all-star break. Anthony Davis is going to have time to rest and hopefully get back to himself when he's back on the court. Yeah. But before okay. we go, I, I want to talk to you about the Charlotte Hornets. So <laughs> Hornets find themselves at the eighth seed. LaMelo Ball is not going to give up his starting spot anytime soon. It doesn't look like I wanted to read this table. I was reading in a John Hollinger piece on LaMelo Ball the only players in their teenage seasons in the NBA since the three-point era, since 1980, that have had a higher PER as a rookie, that's player efficiency rating, Kyrie Irving, Tracy McGrady, Luka Doncic, Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson. That's the list. What yeah, do you man, think that, about that? that? That's crazy. Like, this is, guys like that, yeah, they... Those people that should be on the list, but like Lamelo, that that I think going from the Australian league and overseas really helps him out because obviously he's he's been in the professionals before, so he can really help out. But one thing I'm noticing as a big I I can't say I'm a big Hornets fan, as a big Lamelo <laughs> fan, is that he's not getting any calls, and I don't understand what that is. I don't know if it's because he's a rookie, but like the last game he got fouled so much and there was just no calls it gets to the point where like he's going to get injured and there's going to be no call i literally there was one play where he was driving down and someone basically just threw him to the ground and there was no whistle and man the hornets coach went crazy but yeah this is a guy that's going to really help out the hornets though especially when they first drafted him i'm I'm sorry timberwolves that you missed out you got anthony edwards (laughs) i hope you're happy about it um but this is the type of guy, you know, 13 and 15, He's a t- this is the type of guy that's going to help a team get to the playoffs. And I think that I don't even want to say play-in tournament because I think they can get that eight seed. I really do. But right. if they don't get that eight seed, definitely play-in tournament. But, yeah, LaMelo has just helped him out a lot. I will say, though, um, as a big LaMelo fan, I have watched all their games this year. They're doing all they can, but it's hard to do all they can. Like they lost, they lost to the Spurs, one twenty-two to one ten. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have Devonte Graham and B.J. Washington, that might be a game you win. But right now, the only people really leading the charge for the Hornets is Terry Rozier. Malik Monk has been playing. Terry really Rozier, well. by the way, has been playing incredible. Yes, he has. I was Terry looking at Rozier's. his numbers. He's shooting lights out from three. He's yeah, shooting, was, I think, uh, like about 50% in his past, like, four or five games. Yeah, he definitely is. And, uh, yeah, his last game, he was 3-for-9 behind the – put up 33 points. It was the most on the team. And I do know when I was watching the game, this is his first year, I think – I could be wrong on this. His first year, he had back-to-back 40-point games in his career. Wow. Yeah, it, it was quite crazy. Scary so, Terry making a comeback. <laughs> yes, he is. But, yeah, Charlotte, I, I think they're in a good spot. You know, they're, they're, right now they hold down that 8 spot. No, they don't hold that 8. They hold down that 8. 
candidates spot. I don't know why I thought they did. Actually, you know what? They might. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking at no, the Western standings. That's no, they, my bad. They, <laughs> they, do, they do hold down the eighth spot. Yes, 13 and 15. Uh, unfortunately, their game tonight against the Bulls did get postponed due to COVID issues. And then again, Friday, it got postponed as well. So that, that kind of hurts them. But obviously, they'll get those games. They'll be able to make up those games. Right. So that helps out. But yeah, just the... The addition of Lamelo Ball really helps out. He adds so much to the game, and if I if I can, I like to talk about when he first started for the Hornets. He was coming off the bench, and him and Miles Bridges were really kind of the backbone of that right. team. They were coming off the bench, and as a Lamelo fan, like everyone's like, "Why isn't he starting?" I was like, "To be honest, I like him coming off the bench. You know, right. he's not getting as many minutes, but he's a spark off the bench." Then, boom. Bang and boom, Devontae Graham goes down, and then they start LaMelo Ball, and yeah. he's not giving up that starting spot. Like you said, he's Devontae Graham's even okay with coming off the bench because, honestly, I think LaMelo is a better player than him, and that's kind of crazy to say considering LaMelo's a rookie, but you can just see how hard he plays. He goes after every loose ball. He drives. I'm not saying is a bad player because I love Devontae, and he's finally finding his game. But, like, there's games where, like, Devontae will have, like, zero to, like, five points. But with LaMelo, you know you're going to get at least eight or, eight or more points tonight. I want to say ten, right. but I'm not going to be greedy. But, you know, he <laughs> helps you out with those assists as well. And he's just the type of guy that is really going to help out the Charlotte's team, I think. And it, it's crazy to think this is probably the worst version of LaMelo Ball we're going to see. Like, yeah. in his rookie year. Like, yeah. players usually almost always improve their sophomore season unless they're Tyreek Evans. I mean, <laughs> that's like the only exception to the rule on that as far as recent example. That Tyreek Evans rookie season still bugs me. <laughs> you know what <laughs> the season day. that bugs me? And it's actually, it, it's crazy, but it's actually LaMelo's brother. Lonzo did not have the best rookie season either. Right. I think right now LaMelo is having a better rookie season. He might even be playing better than Lonzo is right now. I know Lonzo's right. finally finding his form. In the past, like, five games, you know, he finally started playing more aggressive, and I think the trade talks kind of went away. They're, they're still out there somewhere, probably in, like, the cloud or somewhere like I'm, that. I'm but... willing them into existence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, you know, he was he was so close to getting traded. I really thought he was going to go away. And then he just finally lit up his game and started playing a lot better. So then the Pelicans, I think, are keeping Lonzo now. But to get back to LaMelo, he's just... I always knew from the very beginning that he was going to be the best ball brother. A lot of people thought it was going to be Giangelo, and it, it, who knows? It still might, but it's he still has yet to get Lee the Angelo, NBA. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, we can see Spikes. Lamelo has definitely uh, he's he drives more than Lonzo does. He I would say he's a better assist guy, but with both the ball brothers there, that's kind of their bread and butter is the assisting. So they're both pretty good at that. But just I think Lamelo beats out Lonzo with the driving. I think Lonzo hasn't been that aggressive as of late, and Lamelo has been really aggressive. He's made like half of his and ones too and that, right. that's just crazy so what's the what's the drake lyric it's like i might lead the league in scoring but man look at my assists yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> well ryan thank you so much for coming on the show Thanks we're gonna have me, to man. close out but yeah thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of no filler with joe miller this episode will be available on apple Podcasts and spotify sometime in the next few hours as soon as i get it up there but thank you thank you everyone so much for listening we'll be on next week